Chapter Twenty Three of Grace Harlowe's Third Year at Overton College by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Three: What Emma Dean Forgot. The surprise party did much toward placing Alberta Wicks and Mary Hampton on a friendly footing with the members of their own class and the juniors. Strange to relate, there had been little or no reluctance exhibited by those invited in accepting their invitations, and as a final satisfaction to Grace, the night of the party was warm and moonlit. The astonishment of the two seniors can be better imagined than described. Grace had purposely made an engagement to spend the evening with them, and under pretense of having Alberta Wicks try over a new song, had inveigled them to the living room, where the company of girls had trooped in upon them, and a merry evening had ensued. Wholly unused to friendly attentions from their classmates, Alberta and Mary, formerly self-assured, even to arrogance, did the honours of the occasion with a touch of diffidence that went far toward establishing them on an entirely new basis at Overton, and they said good-night to their guests with a delightful feeling of comradeship that had never before been theirs. It had been agreed upon by the Semper Fidelis girls that they should extend the right hand of fellowship as often as possible to the two seniors during the short time left them at Overton. It was Grace who had proposed this. We must do all we can to help them fill the last of their college days with good times. Then they can never forget what a great honour it is to call Overton Alma Marta, she had argued with an earnestness that could not be gainsaid. Now that this particular shadow had lifted, Grace was still concerned over her utter failure to keep her word to Mabel Ashe regarding the newspaper girl. When Kathleen had discovered that Alberta Wicks and Mary Hampton now numbered themselves among Grace's friends, she religiously avoided the two seniors as well as the Semper Fidelis girls. She became sullen and moody, apparently lost all interest in breaking rules, and studied with an earnestness that evoked the commendation of the faculty, and caused her to be classed with the digs by the more frivolous-minded freshmen. Her reputation for dashing off clever bits of verse also became established, and her themes were frequently read in the freshman English classes, and occasionally in sophomore English too. In spite of her literary achievements, however, she remained as unpopular as ever. To the girls who knew her she was too changeable to be relied upon, and her sarcastic manner discouraged those who ventured to be friendly. I haven't been able to keep my word to Mabel. It isn't because I have not tried. Grace Harlowe murmured half aloud, as she walked toward her favorite seat under a giant elm tree at the lower end of the campus, an unopened letter in her hand. Grace tore open the envelope and immediately became absorbed in the contents of the letter. "'I wish she could come up here for commencement,' she sighed, "'and I wish she knew the truth about Kathleen West. I can't write it. It would seem so unfair and contemptible to present my side of the story to Mabel without giving Kathleen a chance to present hers. That is, if she really considers that she has one.' "'I knew I'd find you here.' called a disconsolate voice, and Emma Dean appeared from behind a huge flowering bush. I've a terrible confession to make, and there's no time like the present for admitting my sins of omission and commission. Please put a decided accent on omission. Now what have you forgotten to do? laughed Grace. It can't be anything very serious. You won't laugh when I tell you, returned Emma, looking sober. I shall never be agreeable and promise to deliver a message or anything else for anyone again. I am not to be trusted. Here is the cause of my sorrow. 
She handed Grace a large, square envelope with a contrite explanation. Words can't tell you how sorry I am. It has been in the pocket of my heavy coat since a week before I went home for the Easter holidays. I went over to the big bulletin board the day before you went home and saw this letter addressed to you. I wish I'd left it there as I did last time. There was one for me, too, so I put them both in my coat pocket, intending to give you those the moment I reached Wayne Hall, but before I was halfway across the campus I met the Emerson twins, and they literally dragged me to Vinton's for a Sunday. By the time I reached the hall all remembrance of the letters had passed from my mind. I didn't take my heavy coat home with me, and when I came back to Overton the weather had grown warm, so I did not wear it again. This afternoon it fell on the floor of my closet, and when I picked it up I noticed something white at the top of one of the pockets. There, now I confess, and I shall not blame you if you are cross with me. My letter didn't amount to much. It was from a cousin of mine whose letters always bore me to desperation. Now, say all the mean things to me that you like. I am resigned, invited Emma, closing her eyes and folding her hands across her breast. I am not going to scold you, Emma, declared Grace, laughing a little. I wonder who this can be from. The postmark is almost obliterated. However, I'll soon see. "'Do you want me to go about my business?' was Emma's pointed question. "'Certainly not. Pardon me while I read this, then I'll walk to the hall with you. It's almost dinner-time.' As Grace unfolded the letter, the inside sheets fell from it to the ground. As she bent down to pick it up, her eyes lingered on the signature, with an expression of unbelieving amazement stamped upon her face. Then she glanced down the first page of the letter. "'Oh, it can't be true! It's too wonderful!' she gasped. "'Oh, Emma!' Emma, if I had only received this the day it came! I knew it was something important, groaned Emma, and I was trying to be so helpful. Unmindful of Emma's remorseful utterance, Grace went on excitedly. Only think, Emma, to some Ruth's father. He is alive and well, and frantic with joy over the news that Ruth did not die in that terrible wreck. Grace sprang from her seat and seized Emma by the arm. Come on, she urged. I must tell the girls at once. Grace ran all the way to Wayne Hall, and bursting into her room, pounced upon Anne, and hustled her unceremoniously into Miriam's room, where Elfreda and Miriam viewed their noisy entrance with tolerant eyes. A moment afterward Emma Dean appeared out of breath. In a series of excited sentences, Grace told the glorious news. "'I must read you what he says,' she said, her eyes bright. "'My dear Miss Harlowe, what can I say to you who has sent me the most welcome message I ever received?' It is as though the dead had come to life, to think that my baby daughter, my little Ruth, still lives, and has fought her way to friends and education. It is almost beyond belief. I cannot fittingly express by letter the feeling of gratitude which overwhelms me when I think of your generous and whole-souled interest in me and my child. I have certain matters here in Nome to which I must attend. Then I shall start for the States, and once there proceed east with all speed. It will not be advisable for you to answer this letter, as I shall have started on my journey before your answer could possibly reach me. I shall telegraph Ruth as soon as I arrive in San Francisco. I have not written her as yet, because you said in your letter to me that you did not wish her to know until you had heard from me. I thank you for trying to shield her from needless pain, and I am longing for the day when I can look into Ruth's eyes and call her daughter. Believe me, my appreciation of your kindness to me and to Ruth lies too deep for words with the hope that I shall be in Overton before many weeks to claim my own, and thank you and your friends personally. Yours in deep sincerity, Arthur Northrop Denton. Well, if that isn't in the line of a sensation, then my name isn't Josephine Alfreda Briggs. 
"'And to think Ruth's father has actually materialized and is coming to Overton. "'When did you receive the letter, Grace?' "'It came just before the Easter vacation,' interposed Emma Dean bravely, "'without giving Grace a chance to answer. "'Might as well tell you. "'I took it from the big bulletin board, "'put it in my coat pocket to bring to Grace and forgot it. "'Don't all speak at once.' "'Emma bowed her head, her hands over her ears. "'Then an immediate buzz of conversation arose, "'and Emma came in for a deserved amount of good-natured teasing. "'What is the date of the letter?' asked Elfreda. "'The 26th of February,' replied Grace. "'It must have been on the way for weeks.' "'And in Emma's pocket longer,' was Miriam's sly comment. "'But he should have arrived long before this,' persisted Elfreda. "'I wonder if he received Ruth's letter.' "'Perhaps he didn't start as soon as he intended,' said Anne. "'That may be so. Nevertheless, he's had plenty of time to attend to his affairs and come here too,' declared Elfreda. "'I wouldn't be surprised to see him almost any day. "'Wouldn't it be splendid if he were to come here in time to see Ruth usher at commencement?' smiled Grace. "'He'd better hurry, then,' broke in Emma Dean, "'for commencement is only two weeks off. "'Shall you tell Ruth? Who is going with you to tell her, and when are you going?' "'After dinner, all of us,' announced Elfreda. "'Aren't we, Grace?' Grace nodded. "'Then I shall join the band,' announced Emma. "'Although I proved a delinquent and untrustworthy messenger, "'still you must admit that at last I delivered my message.'" End of chapter 23 Recording by Ashley Jane